We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You knew it! Why? You tell the story! Why? You tell the whole damn world this is bad territory! You know it! Why? You tell the story! Why? You tell the whole damn world this is bad territory! You know it! Why? You tell the story! Why? You tell the whole damn world this is bad territory! How good you guys! And welcome back to another episode of the Golden Blogs podcast, The Bearcast. Um... We are back here after a one-week hiatus again. Um, we literally planned to do this last week, but there was not a single line of news. Like we, it was <laughs> the quiet before the storm. It literally was. I we had no recruiting news. Um, we had no like any other like tr- no one was leaving. <laughs> no one was transferring. Um, no coaches got fired. No, no, any coaches were looking for other jobs. Um, what else can what else can we weird think of? Week. It was a really weird. It was it was dead silent. Like even on the blog, it was like six comments to post. <laughs> it was very quiet. And the, like the only way we filled out those posts was because last week was was the Olympic swim trials. Like that was the only reason. Like we had some at least some stuff, which which was amazing to see all those Cal um, former swimmers and current swimmers make the team and are off to Rio now. I saw all the hats, the <coughs> logos. Yeah. And then that one guy that really kept pace with Phelps that whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. It was, it was really cool. Although Natalie Coughlin not making it, you know, kind of a bummer, a little bit of a bummer, but Hey, she has said she's not quitting. Um, she said she is, she's so old. It's crazy though. I mean, she, she's still amazing. Like it, it's not like she got blown out. That's the thing during her trial. Like she, she nah. like it wasn't like a like a point one second type of deal where they just hit the hand pad at like l- like literally a split second difference. But um, I don't know if she can maintain her speed. Who knows? Who knows what happens like at the next trials for I don't know maybe in, maybe international competition doesn't have to be Olympics, but I'm sure that's what she's aiming for. Gotcha. Um, I see. <clears throat> so I think another Olympics might be a little bold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think in another four years, what what will she be? She like, so is she's six. Yeah, she'll be four. Uh, she'll be she'll be close to forty or at forty. That's pretty much. Oh dang, she's super old. Yeah, she's like she's like thirty three, thirty two, right? She's yeah. not in her. T- oh wait. Oh yeah, Olympics. Yeah, that's uh, every four years. No, yeah. All right, she'll be like 36. Okay, she'll be like 36. If yeah. she's 32. If she's 32. <laughs> if she's 34, she'll be 38. 
then she'll be even older. She'll be the she'll be. I don't know if she'd be the oldest Olympic swimmer ever if she were to make the Olympics. That's an interesting fact that I want. I'm going to have to look up later. There's that one dude that's a sprinter that's pretty old right now. Yeah, that's for this year for Rio. Yeah. So I don't know. Well, I mean, I don't think she'll break the oldest Olympian ever. She might be the oldest Olympic swimmer if she were to go to Rio. Maybe I don't know. I'd have to look. Check the male guy from this year, the sprinter. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean like the male sprinter. Oh, the male sprinter swimmer. Oh, that's what you meant. Okay, I thought you meant an actual sprinter. No, no, like (laughs) like an actual track and field. Like I'm competing against Usain Bolt sprinter. Like according to a book I read, your peak is at 28 actually for long distance running. But uh, yeah, so that doesn't matter because we're talking about sprinting. (laughs) Fun fact on the side: (laughs) we only have a year left. Have a year left? You have a year left until you hit your peak for sprinting? Nope, already hit it. I'm going already downhill. Hit. Oh, you're going downhill from now. I still got a year. Yeah, I'm going to you. <laughs> just wait. I'm in here with, like, my knee hurts just from walking 15 steps today. So it's, uh, it's fun stuff. No. I'm sure the older guys that are listening to this yeah, are just, like, just shaking you their head. Just, just you shaking wait. their head. Exactly. Uh, um, but before we get into, you know, more Cal stuff, uh, we do want to send out our condolences um, and just... I don't know. I, I I don't know how to properly phrase it these days anymore because there's been so much backlash on just even just like the peaceful remarks you say, like prayers, thoughts and condolences out, you know, to, to families that are uh, affected by so and so event. And then you get all this lashback about what do you mean prayer? Like, are you Christian? Do you even pray? I, that's that's a whole nother topic I'm getting into. But um, but. You know, all that aside, uh, we do send out our all our prayers, thoughts, and condolences uh, to all the families that were have been affected. Uh, particularly, well, first is we forgot to even mention the the massacre that happened in Orlando a couple of weeks ago um, when we recorded the show. So all those families, yeah, and absolutely. Then, and now, now this week uh, with the two shootings uh, that have happened, uh, I this is. Sorry, it's been yeah. it's been a long week um, so far, but I think the first one was in Louisiana. Yeah, Baton Rouge, Alton. Baton, that's right, and, and then, then up in Minnesota, in St. Paul, maybe. Yeah, today or yesterday? Today, today, this morning, this yeah. morning. Yeah, Philando, it felt it felt like Alton. yesterday. Um, so that has sparked a whole bunch of protests, um, peaceful protests, mind you. Um, well, except for one, we'll talk about in a little bit. But just uh, the peaceful protests. I mean, there's one happening in Oakland right now, right down here. Um, and, uh, also, I mean, we just were looking at Twitter just before we started and they're walking up the southbound ramp on the 880. Uh, if you're from the area, you know, uh, right near Oakland where the 880 and the 580 meet. Um, so, I mean, it's been pretty well so far here in the Bay area. Um, but in other places it hasn't, uh, places like Dallas just had 10 officers shot by two snipers. Um, and that's. That's, I mean, we don't know the details of who the snipers were and so on, but, I mean, that's not helping any anybody's side at all. Um, so There's a decent amount of foreshadowing in the conversation we're having about um, two different factions that are moving in opposite directions yeah. and what we have experienced this week at Cal. But to compare those issues is, is very much like not no. doing any justice to really what happened. I think fundamentally we have to think about um, it, it's not anything new here. I thought everything would end after Oscar Grant and being on campus for that. I, was, I believe that was in 2010, yeah. in New Year's of 2010. And that happened. And I, at the time, I thought that was the most egregious thing that I'd ever seen on video. 
And so I was sure that that wouldn't happen again. That video at the time was incredible. It was, it was, I mean, it was, no one had ever seen that type of video before, right? It, I mean, technology hadn't advanced itself to the point where um, split second video shots that quick was easily doable for any person, uh, any layman. And then that news was just I, I, there's no words to describe what that video meant and what it was. Yeah. You look at it, what happened now um, over this past week, and, you know, you can speak more on this. But, yeah, I... Yeah. It just... It, it's at a point where it's it's been, for the last few years, no longer acceptable to just post something on social media that says you're upset about something. Because... That's a great, and it's great to have dialogue, and dialogue is positive. And I want to reinforce that point because my friend brought up that Ellie Weasel passed away this week. Yes. And he obviously was an author and Holocaust survivor. And he, you know, a lot of the, I read a lot of the books about the Holocaust because my grandpa was actually a liberator uh, for Buchenwald. And Ellie Weasel talks about, and any, most Holocaust books talk about the, the silent bystanders. Uh, bystanders that allowed Hitler to come into power and allowed his movement to take place almost in an eerily similar way. And I don't want to go too far down this way, but kind of the way we've seen with a particular candidate this year. So um, there's no longer a time where it's acceptable to embrace like a silent opinion on this. If you disagree with it, you need to voice it. And then on top of it, if you are voicing it, you need to take that a step further, donate to the right causes um, to the right organizations that you see are going to make this stop um, right into the local politicians that are running for re-election this year and make sure that they know that you care about this greatly. And then right into your local mayor and have them understand like how much it matters to you to change what's happening because we're failing as a society and we are supposed to be the most forward-thinking society there is and we are failing miserably uh, for a of people who have felt like they have been and have been underappreciated for hundreds of years, um, and it's it's well beyond its due, a past due date. So, um, I woke up this morning and literally just cried in the shower. Went to work super mad and focused in on what I could possibly do to make a difference. And I'm gonna go out and try and do my best, but. Uh, there needs to be a collective consciousness that takes place amongst everybody here. Um, but the Black Lives Matter movement and as many places as we can bring that to, I think will inspire positive change. Dallas is super unfortunate what's going on there and we'll find out more what's happening, but it's awful all in all places. It's devastating, and I'm tired of seeing families on the news crying about their sons being taken away from a broken taillight or playing with a toy in a park. It shouldn't be how you, how you go. That's not it. That's just not, it's not acceptable. You know, and I'll, I'll, I'll piggyback off of Andy's point of just letting your voice be heard. I mean, the one thing I'll just say is, you know, Brexit just happened uh, in the last week or the week before. Um, and BBC did this thing where they talked to pollsters and then they talked to pollsters after um, the decision had been made. One particular poster, and this baffled me so I was just I was just taken aback. He said he voted for Brexit 
To leave. To leave. He, so he voted to leave because he didn't actually think it was going to happen. That's what he said. We can't take that approach. We can't. We just absolutely can't. On any subject like this, we, we can't. You can't. You can't say, you can't have that bystander apathy. You can't, you can't be looking out your apartment window seeing a, th- a theft going on and say, oh, the apartment next door will probably be calling 911. Like you, this is not, you can't have that mentality with this. Yeah. It, that, that's not how this is going to work. I mean, I mean, I mean this, this issue isn't, isn't all by itself, right? It's not mutually exclusive. Like people are going to talk about this with the, the gun laws that people have been talking about for years now. And then you're going to talk about maybe arming policemen even more, you know, and that's another side of what people are going to talk about. I mean, that's just how it is. And it's that's not how it should be. That's not you shouldn't be you shouldn't be more trying to create more defenses for yourself. Um, That's the Cold War issue. Exactly. Exactly. You have nukes. I'm going to get nukes. Exactly. Long distance missiles and ICBMs. I'm going to get ICBMs. Yeah. I'm going to go to space. You're going to go to space, and then someone ends up spending too much money, and then <laughs> Russia goes into a massive depression. Like, there's, uh, yeah, you know, you know, the Dark Knight. They talk about escalation. Yes. Um, actually, I can't remember if it's the Dark Knight or Batman Begins. By the way, I think it's a fan of those movies. I've seen both. Great movies. movies. All three. All three. I don't oh. like the third one. You don't like the third one? No. Oh. I didn't like it at all. Okay, we'll talk about that at another, at another time. But yes, continue. Uh, next week when there's no calendars. <laughs> movies with Andy and Rob. <laughs> Batman Begins. Um, you know what? Actually, I think it is The Dark Knight. It's uh, Lieutenant Gordon talks about escalation. And he says when they pushed the mob and took all their money, uh, you know, in... And he tried, and he talked about escalation in the streets of when you start wearing Kevlar and bulletproof armor, then the bad guys start getting, you know, exactly. Um, what are those armor piercing shells? Yes, armor yeah. piercing shells, and it goes in back and forth, and back and forth, and builds up. And yeah, that that's the absolute wrong approach. I mean, I think disarming our police force, in my opinion, I, there's no reason for me to have anyone on BART carry a gun if you're a policeman or if you have a concealed weapon. Like, why are you carrying that on? And I'd prefer everyone there to have tasers. You can't mistake a taser for a gun. Um, and then I, I would like to see us take more of the approach that, like, the Swedish police have. Or, like, um, I've seen, you know, there was that video after the Eric Garner um, it's like murder and where they ended up having this guy that was acting pretty recklessly on a New York subway. And there were like four Swedish police officers there visiting and they, without any weapons, got him to the ground, asked him if he could breathe. Okay. Stood him up straight, put his arms behind his back, talked with him and then passed him off to the local police force. And it's like, you can see it, you can see it work and you know it works, but we refuse to Take the proper path. Yep. And we are so ignorant sometimes. And I understand that this view isn't widely, like, this isn't a widely accepted view. If you even move into certain places of California, you'll still fly, you'll you'll still see Confederate flags and people that are all about their Second Amendment rights. I do not care about taking your guns. I care about police in uniform taking lives of innocent citizens. That's where... That's where this needs to end. And I'll just 
you know what? I'll I'll give from my personal experience. You know, I didn't I didn't grow up here. I grew up overseas. I grew up in Korea. Policemen carry guns, yes, but guns are outlawed in, in the entire country of Korea. The only people that have guns are the police or the army. <laughs> Granted, because we're still in a constant flux state of war. <laughs> um, there's somebody on the northern side. <laughs> there's a little scary. <laughs> there's someone across this minefield that uh, that we probably should keep an eye out for. Um, but anyways, um, I grew up with without the threat of it like it it wasn't an issue um i wasn't i think I, I i had culture shock when i moved here and for college especially and i saw even the, the policemen get up here like just what they wear is definitely more s- scary is the only word i can think of it's yeah. intimidating it, mm-hmm. um i used to i used to say for u.s policemen versus korean policemen korean policemen look like boy scouts like just their their get up attire and just how they dress. Like, do they wear white? Uh, they do. They're, so their shirts are white, but they have a they wear a jacket. But the jackets that they wear have, um, like uh, what bicyclists wear. Uh, it's like the reflective yellow. Yeah. Um. So that's what they wear. And the, um, you know, if there's any Koreans out there listening to this and they want to um, tell me if I'm wrong, please do. Uh. But from what I understand, uh. When, when a policeman uses their gun in in the Korean uh, police force, right? You're going after, you're going after, let's say, you know, like an armed burglar or something like that. He's running away. You use your gun. You mistakenly hit him, right? And, um, or he doesn't die, but he's just, he's just shot. He's injured. Uh, the first thing they do uh, when the rest of the police force arrive is he is handcuffed. The police, officer. the police officer is handcuffed. The police officer gets his gun taken away and is escorted to to the uh, department. And he is put in... The, I don't think they put him in a jail cell. They'll probably just put him in an interrogation room. Um, but he's under suspension, quote-unquote. Collect this story. Exactly. He's... Yeah, so he's under suspension. Not really. Pseudo-suspension, I guess. Um, until they gather all the facts and he's cleared that he didn't shoot him on purpose. Like of course, there's there's probably some flaws with it. Although I've I've not it's not become an issue like it has here in the states. Um, but even that little tiny step helps in the process, right? It doesn't. I think there's less of a less of a discord between the people that are affected versus the police force. You you kind of get that feeling of okay, they're at least. I don't know where I'm trying to go with this, uh, but. Um, there's there's a bit of that understanding between the, the police force as a whole versus that just that police officer. Like that they have a set of rules, they have a set of standards that they're gonna go through and they're gonna go through procedure and make sure he didn't fire his weapon on like just just for the sake of firing the weapon. Like it was intentional to stop whatever was going on, and that's that's what it was. Granted, of course, the other side of the argument is always gonna be, you know. Like they're gonna look out for each other, or so on and so forth. So I, I don't know. I don't know what that side of the deal is with the Korean police force, but um, from that's just how I understand it. Yeah, um, and I don't know. It's not perfect. Uh, I don't think there's a. I don't think there's a lot of countries that have it down perfect, but there's a lot of countries that have gone better. There's a lot of countries that are better than us. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm trying to say. I mean, you look at the numbers. The numbers are outrageous. It is, but that's a. A fantastic perspective to bring in because um, 
at least when I traveled abroad, people refer to the U.S. as wild, wild west. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, you guys got guns out there and everything. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, I didn't really think about it that way. And then my buddy who was living, who was living in Shanghai um, said he's never felt safer in his entire life than when he's been living in China. Yep. And he said he, there's no way he ever anticipates moving back to the U.S., which is such a powerful statement from someone that's born here that he felt safer abroad in Shanghai. No, I'll, I'll say this. I mean, when I have kids and a family, I would, I think, hands down, would rather move back to Seoul. Really? Yeah. I, I, with the stuff that's happening right now, right, with everything that's been going on and no changes have been happened, like... You know, well, from a gridlock. Exactly. I mean, I mean, this is another this is another topic, right? But if you have a family and you have kids, the policemen are supposed to keep them safe. Yes, of course. Um, I, I'm I'm Asian, right? I mean, we're I don't know. It's like we're in a we're in a state of flux. I feel like Asians are. Um, like, the, <laughs> I know some people uh, like just like sarcastically are upset when the news always talks about. Caucasians versus um, African Americans, just because like, we're here too. <laughs> like we would like to be mentioned, um, but I mean, like I've never, I've never felt it full on, right? I've never, I've never been pulled over for God knows whatever reason. Um, the only reason I've been pulled over was for speeding, um, and I've just gotten a ticket and you know just paid it off. Um, but at the same time, seeing all these things, hearing all these things, and knowing what's been going on, it could it could start to affect any community at any given time, right? And that's the scary part: is this this affects one certain type of community at at this point in time? But who knows where this goes, right? And that's for me. If I mean, I'm not a, I'm not married or anything at this point, um, but I the thought of like. You know, just, I don't know, like this is, as I said, this is going on to a whole nother topic, but if, you know, another Sandy Hook type incident happens, right? So on like that type of incident, I, like it happened, I don't want to say it's just Connecticut, but it's, it was literally just, it wasn't an urban setting. Like it's just a suburban town at a normal, peaceful elementary school. Yeah. Right. And I just, I just can't fathom it. Um, like I never, I mean, granted on the flip side, you know, growing up overseas, we had, uh, missile drills. <laughs> uh, we had uh, terrorist attack drills just in case, you know, the North ever decided to come down and send some terrorists, uh, you know, once a month, the, the entire city, there's an alarm that goes off and you have to stop what you're doing and just, you know, it's like a 30 minute drill of what to do when, if there's a missile strike or an airstrike about to happen. Um, so there's that side. But that happens so rarely that it doesn't feel like it's it's affecting you every day. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, yeah. we we go on and on about this. This has a it, this has an impact where it, it's not. I mean, I have my own issues with the way that you know, police have operated, but obviously, I don't come from a a point where I've ever been discriminated discriminated against because of the way I look. Yeah. And when I've been pulled over, like I've been pulled over before in Chicago. Chicago is a really good example of this. I got pulled over in Chicago because I made an illegal left turn because I was lost. 
I made a U-turn, <laughs> and apparently it wasn't a place where you could, you could take a U-turn. Okay. It wasn't like they had the sign above. They had it on the left-hand side down below, so it's really hard to see. So I flip a U-turn, and a guy pulls me over. He's like, all right, let me just take a look at your license, and I'll run it, and if I don't come up with anything, I'll let you go. If it doesn't come up with anything, I go. That just doesn't happen. Like, it doesn't happen if you look differently than I do. And it's, it's just, there's no... There's no guideline on on how to like how to fix it. There's there's not a way right now that I can see that's clear enough to fix it. So when you talk about raising a family and you talk about buying a house and having kids and bringing kids in this world, that's what I wrote about today. It was like I refuse to raise a family in an environment in which this exists. Yep. And so if it's going to continue to persist, then I will look outside of this country for a place to go. That just simply is the way it is. And if all my friends are living in other countries and feeling safer there, then why wouldn't I go and explore those options for myself? Exactly. Why wouldn't you take your word for it? I mean, their word for it, I mean, right? I mean, exactly. if, if that's how they feel after living here for God knows how many years, I mean, th- that means there has to be something better on the other side, right? I mean, or like a better option at least. Uh, so, I mean, this, once again, we can go on for hours about this. Yeah, um, it's important to talk about, but and it I is appreciate important. like everyone listening to us giving us this platform. Yeah, I mean, we want to take full advantage of it because we have the opportunity. We to. have the opportunity, and if we don't, then nothing's going to happen. At the same time, too, I mean, most of the people who listen to us are most likely alums or have lived in this area for long enough where this this issue is very real. Um, you know, if you lived in the area, you know of all the things that have happened in this area for, I don't, I can't even count back how many years. Um, and the flip side is if you just came here for college, whenever you came here for college, for whatever reason, there was always some type of movement. We were always, we were always unifying for a specific reason, yeah. right? For me, it was tuition hikes. Exactly. Um, and so I feel like you will be drawn to this if you were a part of this university. Granted, there's some people that literally just went to college here and then they left and they don't even think about it anymore. Um, so I know if, I know a couple of those. That's the only reason we're friends is because we just went to college together. They have like no fondness for the university or like any type of social thing that the university did or get in, what get happened. out, exactly, get that's on, pretty, exactly, exactly. And I don't. Uh, that's that's their prerogative. That's up to them. Um, so, but yeah, we just wanted to we just wanted to talk about this uh, for a little bit. Um, not because we didn't have more town news to talk about. Right. Um, but Let's just hope we don't have to talk about this next week. We don't. Uh, but we do have to talk about a specific issue that kind of has to do with this, but not really. Um, kind of. Pseudo. Uh, and we'll move on. Uh, we'll start with some, and we'll now get into the Cal news. <laughs> I did a little hand wave to like 25 like a, minutes opening. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about some Cal options. Quarterback Davis Webb has been added to the Maxwell watch list. That's interesting. That's awesome. I, that's the best quarterback in the country list, correct? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, so he's been added to that. So it's exciting. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's super exciting. Like he legitimately could be, uh, he could be a stud. Yeah. Everything is pointing to that. Exactly. Everything is pointing to our team going up. I'm not, not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. It was. And right now I'm, I'm lost. <laughs> I'm like, disenchanted with what's been going on. We're going to get there. Yeah. I don't want to spoil it. We will. Um, but at the same time, I mean, 
just to have this bit of good news, uh, to see a quarterback who hasn't even played a snap for us yet, I don't think they've football practiced, right? They've done strength and conditioning, but I don't think they've actually taken the field yet. No, can't. Yeah. Um, so maybe, I mean, probably he was probably taking like a few throws and run some routes with some of the wide receivers just for fun, you know, just running around, yep. but not in full pads, not with the whole team, not within the scheme of like football practice. Hasn't done that a single snap yet. And yet he's added to the watch list. So that just means one, he's held in high regard. Two, they think that he's going to do pretty well here. That helps. That definitely helps. Good helps fit in the system. And the uh, SB Nation preview of Cal was really, really well done. Mm-hmm. I was really excited about that. On the flip side, I keep saying that today. Um, I don't know why. I'm really that's that, that did the you term eat pancakes this morning. Oh, no, I did not. Did I eat anything where you had to flip it? Uh, <laughs> did you flip your pancakes? Have a name? I didn't. I didn't. Oh. No, I can't think of anything. Um, but another thing is. Uh, Nam was just writing about this on Twitter the other day. Uh, I think it was yesterday. I think Vegas has the the opening book odds. Uh, San Diego State is favored by two points. I know. I'm going to bet on that. Yep. I'll take that. Texas is favored by seven points. I'll take that. I might also take that. Yeah. So take what you want. Um, I think the San Oregon... San Diego State doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the, the... I think for me, this is my logic behind it. The only reason they're at... To a 2.5 advantage is because one, at probably when they form these bets, they had no idea who our quarterback is. We still technically don't know. Um, and the fact that we lost pretty much everyone on offense. Granted, we know who's going to be in there, but probably those guys might not. Uh, they just saw me the I should be betting. I'm a betting man. Yeah. <laughs> we don't condone uh, betting I in did, Vegas. I did the preview on San Diego State last year when we played them, and... I remember them having a very like old team, and yeah. the point uh, to the point where they were like the favorites in the Mountain West. Yeah, and then they underperformed at the beginning, made it all the way to the championship, I believe. Yeah, might have won that entire division. So I can see why they think they're good, but I thought that their running back, who was that really good back, left. He left, and I did think that a lot of their older players bounced, and I don't think they've solved their quarterback situation. Nope. So. And- I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the maybe it's the home field advantage. Maybe it's the fact that we're playing in San Diego that you give them two points. I don't, I don't it's know. It's a short flight, guys. Sixty nine dollars <laughs> each way on Southwest, <laughs> and I'm getting married down there, so I have a good reason to show. There you on. go. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, moving on from uh, the team, we have some recruiting news. Uh, Juco defensive end slash linebacker Alec Funches. Linebacker. Uh, commits. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, so he's Juco. So he's from Trinity Valley uh, Community College. That's in, uh, from Denton, Texas. I have no idea where Denton is. Teammate. Teammate of? Daquan. Exactly. There it is. So we're going for that. I guess Trinity Valley might be our uh, pseudo pipeline for Juco products. Are we kind of making it that way? Are we going to try and make it that way? Dude, give me as much many Texas D's and linebackers as possible. I feel like those. I'll take every athlete from Texas, please. <laughs> Is that an order I can I can put up uh, Texas, for recruiting? The infamous Texas pipeline. <laughs> the reason why Mike Riley was hired at Nebraska. Uh, which, by the way, he's doing a fantastic job in terms of recruiting at, at Nebraska. Yeah. Wow, I am glad he's gone <laughs> now. Um, Maybe it's in and out. Maybe he just chips in in and out. <laughs> Maybe he made his own in and out there. Maybe that's the only in and out past the mountain, past the Rockies. Is dude, if only in Nebraska. Genius. 
make so much money. Wow. Wow. Um, so yeah, that's great. We got it. We're back on our cycle. So we need another one next week. Exactly. So we just missed one week. We missed one week and then we're back on pace. Yep. Yep. Well, but by no means did we not record because we did not have a recruit. That's not why we, it was a silent protest. <laughs> it, was a, it was a silent protest. It was a very silent protest. Um, and moving on. Oh God. I mean, this is the topic of the night. This is the topic of the night. The fun- <laughs> funniest comment I wrote, or the, the funniest comment I saw, uh, was Nam <laughs> quote tweeted uh, this article, and he wrote, "If you if you guys don't know Nam, uh, he's the red, he's a football writer for Rivals. He used to write for us. He still does the the game day hype uh, writes for us every week um, during football us. season. Yeah, the expect us uh, posts. But he's a huge fan of Pacific Rim and any robot, you know." Uh, mech movies he quote tweets this article and he says reset the clock in gall caps <laughs> wait I haven't seen that movie you haven't seen that movie oh okay so to give you the premise in the movie they have a huge clock right and uh, it just counts up and every time a big monster attacks and they repel it the main captain of that division says reset the clock gotcha. so it's like telling you you know like, yay, you know, we can celebrate for a little bit, uh, but we got to get back to work because we don't know when the next thing's coming. Um, so that's why whenever something bad happens with Cal, uh, Nam always quote tweets it and he says, reset the clock. Um, so so this has happened. Uh, so for those who have not heard, I'm sure you've heard by now, uh, but if you haven't, I will give you the, run, the, the quick rundown. Um, I'm going by dates that we posted on... Um, on Golden Blogs, so these not, might not actually be the dates that they actually happened, uh, but nonetheless, I just wanted to give you guys a little timeline. So June 30th, uh, the San Francisco Chronicle uh, reported some several some several disturbing findings from the internal investigation that cleared the University of California of supposed wrongdoings with regards to the safety and the health of student-athletes. Um, it particularly singled out Cal strength coach Damon Harrington, um, and so Avi wrote this great piece um, about the three. He just wrote a great piece about just highlighting what had happened, uh, what happened in that piece. So the four main points is the first one is the top. The first one about this article is the two investigators uh, that investigated the wrongdoings and so forth uh, had close ties to Cal personnel. Um, so both investigators concluded that Cal did nothing wrong and disclosed that they had personal ties with people within the program. Okay. Uh, so John Murray, a private strength and conditioning coach, and Jeffrey Tangi, a medical director for sports at UC Davis, had personal ties with the Cal staff. Murray disclosed in the report that he has a friend and colleague of Mike Blas- Blasquez, who oversees all of Cal's strength conditioning program. And Tangi said he had trained uh, Casey Batten, the football team physician. So both said in the, in the reports those findings did not influence their findings. Okay. The second one was Harrington's... Seems like two reasonable guys. Seems like it, right? I mean, otherwise, if they were, if there was affecting, why would they say that they knew the people? Yeah. <laughs> doesn't make any sense to me. Um, Who cares, Chronicle? Uh, number two, Harrington's uh, negligence in Tedegu's case. So the family of Tedegu won a $4.75 million lawsuit from the University of California, but the man in charge of Agu's workout that day had, has received no disciplinary action of that sort. So they talk about, um, you know, Harrington had created that drill um, and, you know, Agu was on his 10th lap when he dropped to the ground and then collapsed after he died after being taken to the hospital. We all remember this. Uh, 
I think this was two years ago, three years ago now. I think three. Yeah, I think I, we're I'm still three. living in Chicago. So. Yeah, I think we're at three now uh, when Ted died um, and passed away. So so apparently Harrington and teen doctors knew Ted, who was 21 at the time, had sickle cell trait. Uh, and so in their lawsuit, Agu's parents singled out Harrington, who admitted to lawyers that he devised the workout without advice from trainers or doctors. He also told them that he knew for of no special measures required for athletes with sickle cell trait. So he said in a deposition, he said, there's no reason to change what the sickling athlete does. I don't think there are any precautions. So, so there's that. We'll, we'll keep, we'll talk in a little bit more. Um, and then number three was the Cal coaching staff came up with a bizarre and intensive in or insensitive label for black athletes. Um, in the Chronicle, it says uh, that Harrington and Dykes are white called a training group of largely black athletes called the Noose Group, uh, a name some on the team considered racist. Uh, and, you know, Wes Mallett, who uh, some of us know, he's the spokesman for Cal Athletics. He said the new term, the term uh, Noose only applies to a drill and a catching technique that the coaches stopped using after a player com- complained. Okay, so they stopped that. Um, Did you read the portion about where the origins of the noose group drill comes from? I did not. Um, So it's like widely used across football and well-known as an actual drill. Like a let's call like the noose, let's just say arbitrarily like the noose drill. Like that's just how they they call it. Used, and it was based off of a term that you'd use to noose a cow. Like put a noose around a cow. And that's what the drill was based on. And, yeah, I agree with you. It seems like the complaint was issued and handled immediately. Yeah. Uh, Lastly, uh, in this article, they talk about Harrington's role in the Fabiano Hale assault. So the basic of this story is that three former Cal players uh, had some stuff to say about it. Uh, Joey Mahalik, Gabe King, and Trey Cheek. you know, uh, I'll just read you the, the little blurb. Uh, on the day he was attacked, Hale, who was 18, uh, missed the morning workout. That was by far the worst one, Mahalik told police. He said Harrington ordered the players uh, present to roll over and over for 100 yards, then do 50 up-downs. Um, if you don't know what an up-down is, it's it's basically like a burpee, um, except you're in football pads and you you don't kind of gracefully go to the ground. You literally just, you just jump up and parallel go parallel to the ground and just let your body drop. That's pretty much what it is. And then you get back up. They suck. Uh, yeah, it's not pretty. I, I've never done one, but I don't want to ever do one. Um, and running in place and dropping to the ground, jumping back up, then roll 100 yards again. Um, it was a workout, he said, where, quote, you're going to get unbelievably dizzy and sick. It was yeah, just to punish us. You're going to throw up. Yeah, yeah. basically. Um, so that's what he told. And so this this story in the Chronicle was written by Nanette Asimov and Kimberly uh, Veklerov. Nanette Asimov and Kimberly Veklerov. All right. So there's the first one. The second one uh, happened on July 3rd. Uh, Calathlex issues a statement uh, in their response to the Chronicle article. Um, and they basically say um, that... It's kind of wrong. <laughs> they defended their findings in the invest- initial investigation, reiterated their commitment to player safety, and again made it clear that the strength and conditioning program 
were properly investigated in the wake of the assault on Fabiano Hale and the death of Cal football player Ted Agu. Okay, and hey, we're mentioned in this post for some odd reason. Um, towards the end of it, um, it talks about uh, talks about s- certain student athletes that are behind Coach Harrington and really like what he does uh, for the program and with the student athletes. And they quote us. So Cal, the athletics department, quotes us uh, this article about how we we had a post about how all these athletes uh, were on Twitter and were posting their support and defense for uh, Coach Harrington, and they quoted us about it. Um, so, so apparently, after complaints from the Berkeley Faculty Association, uh, Chancellor Dirks has now ordered a new investigation into the Cal football strength and conditioning program. So that happened. On July 3rd. And then... (laughs) And then... (laughs) Oh, man. This is so much fun. Um, On July 6th, uh, Chancellor Dirks um, was told basically by the UC Berkeley staff, right? This is not all the staff, um, but a big portion of them signed this petition um, to get Damon Harrington, Coach Damon Harrington, uh, suspended and then fired, basically. And um, they basically want another investigation. The petition has reached about 100 signatures. Um, we have the link up on the website if you want to go take a look at who's signed that petition. Uh, we both have. Um, and we won't talk about any of the names in particular, but we both have. And you can definitely check that out as well. One of my former professors is on that list. <laughs> I know who you are. <laughs> so... <laughs> So let me just read you a little blurb at the very beginning of this article, right? I think this is really key to understanding this. So most colleges enjoy a healthy relationship with their athletic departments. They provide support for one another. They communicate with one another. They work toward the greater good of the university. That's not the case at the University of California. The faculty are the ones who run the asylum, and a good chunk of them are not friends with the athletics department. They are people who want to see Cal turned into an Ivy League program, free of scholarships and national championships, and only beholden at academic elitism they see cal as a threat not cal athletics as a threat not an ally and when they see an opportunity to strike openly and damage the reputation of the university and the athletics department at once they engage okay that's a little little background history about just the difference between the athletics department versus us or i mean not us the athletics department versus the academic side of the university of california um, and then we had this great, great uh, little put together of all of what the um, athletes have said. Um, there's, you know, there's no other way to put it. Uh, Vic and Wary wrote a, a two. I think he just he wrote this on his phone and then he just took snapshots of it and put it up on his Twitter. But man, this was really well written. And I don't want I can't read the whole thing for you, nor do I want to spoil it. So if you have not read it, um, please check his Twitter account, which is at a one, the number one underscore Perico. So P E R I C O O. Okay. And please go read it. I mean, this is, is, you read it too, right? This was, this is really well written. And I told, I told our editors, I said, we need to get him on after he graduates and make him write an op-ed piece. (laughs) Cause he's, he's really well written. Um, so he wrote a little thing. Uh, Trey, um, Trey Watson wrote a little thing. Um, you know, uh, I, I don't even want to read some of these things. Um, I mean, it's nothing bad. It's just, just overall, there's, there's just things that can spark a very big debate. 
Um, Kyrie Vanderbilt wrote something. Darius Allensworth wrote something. Um, Darius Allensworth wrote, all I know is my strength coach better be at workout in the morning. <laughs> Um, another, this is pretty alarming, is uh, James Looney, our defensive defensive end, defensive end tackle. Um, he just, he wrote um, about this article saying, if Damon leaves, I will seriously consider not playing this year. Whew. Uh, Bryce Treggs, who is n- no longer with the program, he is now a uh, training, or is he a member of the 49ers, I think? You, can you still consider him a member of the 49ers? Yeah, yes. Definitely. He's on the roster right now. Yeah. Uh, so, Brush Tricks, if Damon was really doing something wrong, would every player be going to bat for him? Very true. His second quote, uh, or second tweet, is the scary one. Let Damon go, and I'll say St. John Bosco High School on Monday Night Football. No. <laughs> don't do this like please. Rogers. <laughs> please don't do this to us. Please don't do this to us, Tricks. Um, and then, of course, another one on July 6th. Um, actually, no. Never mind. That's it. Um, and then the last one. Didn't Ray Hudson say he got a Twitter just to come on and defend Damon Harrington? That was Patrick Wurstel. Uh, Patrick Wurstel. Uh, right. Ray, Ray Hudson has always had a Twitter, but uh, that was Patrick Wurstel, and I have that tweet right here. Okay. Um, so another, another um, point or what's it? Another statement was issued today by the athletics department. Saying that the California Golden Blacks, Golden Blacks, California Golden Bears Athletics Department is firmly standing behind strength coach Damon Harrington. Okay, um, so let's see. Uh, there's Cal Athletics and Cal football players have stood fast behind their strength coach, and now it appears Harrington will remain the strength and co- strength and conditioning coach this season at the very least. Um, Ryan Gorsey from Scout uh, wrote a piece on this, too. So if you want to go check it out, check it out at BearTerritory.net. Uh, but we took a little excerpt from him. And I'm Ryan, if you're listening to this, I'm quoting you. So please don't hurt me the next time I see you. <laughs> um, but it says, uh, this is what Cal Flex wrote. We felt it was important to sit down and talk with our student athletes about where we are in real time with this, said Cal spokesman Wes, Ma- Wes Mallet, who attended the meeting. We have repeatedly stated that the well-being and best interests of our student-athletes, all of our student-athletes, is of paramount importance to us. Making sure that our student-athletes know that they are supported by our athletics department is what our department is based on. We stand together. We are one athletics department. We stand united with all our coaches, our entire staff, and all our student-athletes. We are still waiting to hear what, what that is and what that means. But Damon is our strength and conditioning coach, Mallet said in regarding to the probe. All right. Um, you know, Malik Psalms took a little video on Twitter and put it up uh, of just they read something and they just yelled out like, woo, you know. So I think it's in reaction to knowing that Harrington is going to stay. That's what he said. Yeah. Um, and then. Some other Didn't th- in a tweet say when you find out you're... <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like a meme, pretty yeah. much. Um, yeah. Max Gilliam uh, tweeted, there's some just a lot more Twitter things about, uh, you know, Coach Harrington and the players supporting him. So there's a couple more that draggled in late. Um, and I'll read you the three that are that we have written here. As Max Gilliam wrote, every Cal football player will tell you Coach Damon would never put a single one of us in danger. He only pushes us to get better every day. Ray Hudson, I'm curious how many of those professors have been to Memorial on a Saturday. Truth. Truth. Um, and then Patrick Worstel, 
First time on Twitter. I never wanted an account, but have to stand up for Coach Damon and my Cal football family. Pushed me over. I'm in. That's what you're on. So that's where it is. that's where we stand. Um, you know, I'm sure you can speak to this a lot more than I can. Um, I just think just because you maybe were with the football team a little bit, um, and you also played athletics at Cal, maybe you kind of understand. You know, no, okay, uh, or not. Um, but maybe a little bit of it. Uh, for me, I don't think I fully understood the discord that we have between the university, like quote unquote, the University of California, and California, like the Cal, the Golden Bears, California Golden Bears, the ones that show up on Pac-12 networks and on ESPN. Um, I just, I never fully grasped it until of recent, um, of how much there's a big gap between the two. Um, and once again, this is what Andy was trying to refer to when we said, when we were talking about the Black Lives Matter things earlier, about two groups going in kind of separate they're separating further and further when it should be getting closer and closer together. Um, and you know what, if the players are speaking like this, like I'm fully behind the players at this point. Um, some of the, some of the like, uh, direct messages I've gotten from specific people that I won't name, um, but have just said like, you know what, some of these professors have just had it out for these, for the athletes. Um, and we, and I read that earlier too, right? There's professors that want to make this into just an elite academics program. Um, and I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I mean, I'm sure most of us who went to the school want the academics to be held to the high standard that it's been held at. Um, but we also want to see our athletics succeed, right? Um, but we're not a we're not a private school, right? Um, we we are funded by the state. Um, like we always talk about our funding issues, right? We always talk about how we don't have money uh, to spend on certain things, and you know, the biggest one I think I talk about uh, to people all the time is you know when Jalen Brown and Ivan committed, people are like, oh, I wonder how much they paid him. And we're like, we don't have the money to pay players. Like I don't, I you got to get that through your head. Like we just we don't have money. Um, to do that type of stuff. I mean, we're in debt just because we we retrofitted our stadium with earthquake-proof stuff. Like, that's <laughs> that's how much we don't have money. Um, we did a safety thing and weren't in debt. Um, so, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm fully behind the players. Um, I've seen Coach... I've never talked to Coach Harrington, um, but I've seen him, you know, when I go to practice and stuff. And for me, he just seems like a normal, you know, strength and conditioning coach. You know, just he might say things every once in a while, but that's only to push the guy. Like you can definitely tell it's just to push the guy a little further, right? Um, but other than that, like I've I've never seen anything else. Um, and I, I if if what I'm seeing on the field in terms of at, at least athleticism and like how much guys have bulked up and so on and so forth, um, like growth wise from a physical standpoint, if that's what Coach Harrington is doing, I'm all for I'm. I want him to stay. I mean, he's done a fantastic job with some of those guys that we've seen as a freshman versus now um, in terms of just the workout room. So I'm with you. I don't think there's been an article that's come out like this where I felt so strongly that the writers 
didn't do the proper due diligence and I felt so strongly cited because it's it's not often, especially in the era of Baylor's and other like college football programs that are doing bad things, that an article come out about Cal and the Yanni stuff came out. I didn't have the reaction I had to this. There's a, multiple reasons as to why I had the particular reaction I did. One, because I know Dykes has been so focused on creating a culture and where academics matter. Kids sitting at the front of the class and trying to reverse this notion of it's the athletics department and I'm on, the fo- I'm on campus and I'm the big man on campus to being I'm a part of this campus and contributing in many different ways. Then you have the, the epitome of that in Jalen Brown, who's going out and taking advanced classes as in a- grad level classes. Right, as a, as a freshman. And and not o- I mean, not only that, I mean, I was there when he w- announced and, you know, I mean, this is just, of course, this is a small sample size, right? It's just one guy, but the guy had all his professors stand up and made sure everyone in the room gave them a round of applause. He had a professor show up with, uh, you know, elementary school kids from the local community so that they could ask questions to him because they'd never been to something like this. Um, like he had his, he, he had a personal relationship enough with his professors where their professors showed up to his announcement of joining the NBA. I mean, I, yeah, I, yeah. And please go on. Yes. No, I think, <laughs> I think that those are a couple examples of where I felt like the program was heading. And then I mean, in some ways, it's symptomatic of the problem is we're talking about in, we're talking about different times of different programs that gave King's vitriol towards a particular program is not the same program that it is today. And he lost a friend who I'm not sure if he'll ever forgive anyone that was involved in that. And nor should he. No, that's like, I mean, that's that's personally understandable. Yeah, like it's it's just yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Him. But where it gets lost is in the story that the writers force themselves into and don't give themselves opportunities to paint both sides of it. And if people get mad about Stephen Avery and the that TV show being one sided, then. We should be just as outraged about how one-sided of an article this was. And it obviously did, doesn't accurately represent either side in the scenario, so it's impossible for us as readers to know what the hell is actually going on. And so what does it do? Nothing. It creates a shitstorm. Sorry. You have the... Yeah. It, it, creates a, it creates a dynamic now that has driven a wedge between the faculty and athletics a wedge that was appearing to get better, a wedge that I know people like Derek Van Rienen who have been trying to bridge that gap with the athletic department um, and creating the athletic study center and everything that they do there. Um, and it's undoing that. And then on top of it, it's making us look like we don't have anything put together. And so what are we going to be looked at? I don't, I don't even care at a recruiting level. Just what are we going to be looked at by other organizations in the Pac-12, um, schools like UCLA, schools like USC, when we have such a divide? And it's so silly to me. I understand where the professors are coming from on the basis of why they think Damon Harrington should be fired. They see somebody who they feel didn't get a proper investigation, might make more money than them, and isn't directly contributing to, and I'm not saying this myself, sorry, I'm saying this as 
their perspective potentially isn't contributing to the students graduating and getting full-time jobs, which I would argue against because coaches can be some of the best mentors you possibly have. And those are some of the people that can excel, help you excel in the classroom the most, which is what I've been through myself. Um, and so ultimately, as I lose my point on a, late <laughs> on a Thursday night, I think that this wedge has been driven into this program now where you have players like Vic and Wary, who's clearly brilliant. And since, since he was a recruit, I loved everything he said. Um, and he, he was also someone that was pretty vocal when we lost one of our coaches. And he talked about, uh, kind of took on that Bryce Traig's voice yeah. that we love so much. And you see people like Bryce who feels let down by the program. And we already have previous players that feel let down by the program. This, is, this should be an environment where we cherish those that are willing to come in and take on a full-time 50-hour-a-week job in order to also get their education and put their health on the line in order to do that. And Ted's passing away was an absolute tragic thing where many of my friends lost someone they knew very closely. Um, and we shouldn't forget that, and we should be open to investigation into that. But where I think it falls short is with the Fabiano Hale incident, I think Harrington should take ownership over the fact that, yeah, coming in and saying, take this into your own hands is probably the dumbest thing to go tell a bunch of 18, 21 year olds <laughs> because they're not going to know how to appropriately react to it. But that's not a fireable offense. It's not. Yes, as a leader, he should hold himself to a higher standard and apologize. But that's not a fireable offense. And what I've read about the training side of it is that the actual trainer, Jackson, who saw Tedegu fall down and did nothing about it, has actually already been fired. He's gone. In his deposition, uh, there were a lot of negative signals, and Cal took the appropriate approach there. The fact that it didn't go to the higher level, and if Harrington is saying, look, I didn't know that sickle cell deserved a different treatment, and maybe, maybe, just maybe, don't want to speak for someone who's not here anymore, but maybe Ted didn't feel like he wanted to be treated separately. Maybe he wanted to be treated as everybody else. It seemed from the mantra of hold the rope uh, and everything that he seemed to be about that he might not be the person that was necessarily like open to like getting different style of treatment. I've been dealing with like learning disabilities my entire life, but I never go and take the extra time because I don't want to. I want to be tested at the same level as everybody else. So it's it's obviously you can't put yourself in the position to speak for somebody that's not able to speak for themselves and i think the chronicle writers had lawyers in their ears they heard a particular you know slant they went with it they definitely did a poor job of due diligence um and they should be held accountable for the fact that they did a substandard job of holding their own integrity and harrington has to take some ownership over what you know, I, I just didn't see. I don't know if he's come out and done this already. I don't know if you saw that, Rob. Yeah, I don't. I don't think he has. Yeah, but I would like to see maybe like more of like acknowledgement of what has happened, and then reflecting back on that and how he's improved in the last two years, and saying I look forward to leading a bunch of brilliant people forward for the next few years. It shouldn't be something that causes him to lose his job or have his contract renegotiated until we actually get evidence that is contrary of all those who opinions that I respect the most, which is the writing community, the, in, the even closer, like insider writing community amongst Cal, like everyone has come to his back, which just seems like it was a couple of writers that don't even write for the sports section that decided to launch a piece and get their names out there. 
my opinion, their names should be as out there as Harrington's right now because it's unfair to do that to somebody. Uh, two things for me. First thing is about who they interviewed, right? And how there's, as you said, there's no other side to the story. Like if I wouldn't have an issue with this article if it was just reviewing what had happened and and then also talked about, you know, but at the same time, like Harrington is this beloved, beloved coach, beloved coach, coach. Like I'm, I'm just short selling it right now, but like if that, if the story was wholly made, right? Like all sides of the story, all aspects, all different fronts, I'd be okay with it. I'd be fine with it. The only part is there's a lot of players that were coached by Coach Harrington in terms of strength and conditioning um, that are no longer with the program. Like not, and by no longer with the program, I don't mean like they left, like some of these players that are mentioned, but they've graduated. They've moved on. They're, you know, some are in the NFL now. Some are just leading normal, normal lives. You couldn't talk to a single one of them. Like, like I'm sure they had stuff to say if you asked them, but no, no quotes, no. Like, the first name I can think of is, oh, I believe there's a Cal football player that now plays for the Niners literally across a bridge. I wonder what he has to say about this. Do we have to go to the athletics department to talk to him? No, because he's no longer with the program. I'm sure he ha- he's a man who can speak for himself. No talking to him? Okay. Um, yeah, let's just cross his name off the list and act like we tried. It doesn't work like that. I- <laughs> I'm baffled. I'm baffled by this, that they would not even try to write about the other side as well, right? Second point, second point is about the professors that are going after this, is what's the end game? You get, let's, let's say, let's say for all, for all in like just what if purposes, right? You get Coach Carrington fired, right? Through this. What, what then? You just got a strength and conditioning coach fired. Like, is that unreplaceable? No, it's replaceable. Like, we can, we, they'll, they'll, they will 100% hire another strength and conditioning coach. Where do you go from here? Like, is, is this like guerrilla warfare? Are you, are you like attacking and then like, all right, let's see if there's another shot for us to like take maybe later down the road. Like, this isn't a chip away game. Like, you can't. You can't hack at it little by little expecting the tree to fall. It, it, it just does not work that way. Um, so that's what I'm curious about. Like what what could you possibly gain from doing this petition? And, you know, because the supporters will be supporters, right, of, of the athletics department, right? Just because some donors saw this doesn't mean the donors won't donate. The donors won't donate if we don't play well. <laughs> that's pretty much what it is, in my opinion. Um, and they don't see a future for the athletics department. But as long as there's a future and we're playing well, or even if we weren't playing well, I mean, we were still getting donations, right? Like, that's the only way you can sever us us by the athletics department from not existing anymore, right? And that's just, that's just not possible. One, because, I mean, they can argue that we take up too much of the, the funding, but at the same time, you can argue we make up for a lot of it. Like... <laughs> I just don't know where, what the possible end product that their like goal is through all these petitions and so forth. Um, but I did see a, I, I saw something funny today. Um, so apparently, so they, they wrote this petition, I think on petition.org. I think that's where they, they did it. The petition to send to Dirks uh, signed by all these professors. 
someone else started a petition on petition.org to get Professor Bar- uh, Barsky, 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 Professor Barsky fired <laughs> on petition.org. Yeah. Two Chancellor Turks. Um, I saw that. I thought that was hilarious. I really thought that was hilarious. Um, but yeah, I mean, when will it end? Will we ever get to a point where it's just about just purely just what happens on the field? Like, will we ever get there? <laughs> I wish it well, did. I don't know. I don't ever want it to be just too focused on the field. I do really want... Or, I mean, I, 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 let me rephrase. Um, I'm talking about the athletics department yeah. and, like, just news like this that happens. Will it ever just be focused on just the football or just the basketball? No. Like, we can always say, oh, he was a great he was a great student as well. Like, that's great. But I don't want the bad news to roll in like this, right? And the the, the bad images to be coming in. So, I think... I think... These things can exist. There's no reason why they can't exist at Cal, if they can exist at Harvard, if they can exist at Stanford. Why is what you know? What's SC. going on? Like, yeah, SC, UCLA, yeah, UCLA, Washington's a good school. Yeah, like Oregon's becoming a better school. There's no reason why we can't figure out a way to have our athletic department and our academics work well. And we've seen people take positive actions in that direction. And I'm sure there's a lot of things that need work, which is probably why the professors are a little, you know, uh, angry enough to write their name on something that they probably shouldn't be writing their name on. Like, I'm going to name three more schools, uh, Michigan, Wisconsin, yeah. and Duke. Duke, yeah. Duke's a great one. UNC, Duke's too. a great one. They really embrace Yeah, UNC I like, but then you also had that whole uh, yeah, like, yeah. cheating scandal. Yeah. Um, Duke is a good one, but they also really revere their athletes in a way that I think it can be. It's damaging. A really weird. Yeah. When I visited there, it was like I had this old dude, bald dude. I remember was running through, sweating, trying to get autographs. He's like, "Hey, did you see that basketball player?" And I was like, "No, no. <laughs> <laughs> who cares?" <laughs> um, so, but yeah, I mean, I think that's a good point. Like Texas, is good. Texas, is a Texas, good school. yeah. It, we're Berkeley. We're never going to be Alabama where the athletes are revered in that way, nor should we expect to be, nor should we want to be. And the selling point of our program to these students that are coming in, like Demetrius Robertson, like Jalen Brown, like anyone that has come to this program in the last two years, has been academics. We cannot have a divide and not have people feel like they are discriminated against in the classroom for being an athlete. You should not be looked at differently. And I wore Cal football sweatpants and a Cal football sweatshirt every single day to class. And I never felt like I was being discriminated against amongst any of my professors. Kathleen Moran was fantastic. And she had more athletes in her class than, um, I mean, I don't know. She had, she had a ton of athletes in her class and embraced every single one of us. And I never felt any of that. And for people to come in here and, as students that... And someone on the on the comment section was like, "Oh, they're probably majoring in." You know, someone mentioned all the professors were in like East Asian studies and you know, like different majors around and like. Um, and then this other guy was like, "No, these aren't stu- these aren't our athletes aren't students that are just going into random majors that <laughs> they're aren't, picking like, like what legal they studies. They're like taking legitimate like eeks like hard majors. They're out there to study and learn." So we should stop, stop punishing them for that and start embracing them into the community. We shouldn't make it any easier, but we should, certainly shouldn't make it any harder. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm just, I've just thought of this from a, just a very simple common sense perspective. Like 
you know, if, if a player, like let's say we go on a Thursday night game and we have a final on Thursday, you can grant them the leeway to, you know, maybe te- take the test either earlier or make them, a, you know, an, another one later to take when they come back. You know, it's that type of like le- giving leeway, I don't think anybody has against, right? No one has anything against that. None of the other classmates in the class is going to say, hey, you gave him an extra couple of days. Like, no one's going to say that. Come on now. Um, <laughs> But at the same time, like, as soon as you enter the classroom, um, I don't know, the the line from, this is the only question mark I have with what Vic wrote, is because he wrote uh, in the piece and in the, um, I don't think it's in the picture, uh, maybe it is, uh, but he he says something like, uh, you know, he walked into one of his classes one day and the first thing the professor said was that um, he doesn't see any athletes or anything in the room. Uh, um, I think that's what he said. Let me check. Um, uh, I walked into the first day of class here at Cal, and I have a professor say how they do not look football players or athletes here in general, and that's on the first day. Never has any sports team stated at our first game that we dislike professors, officials, or anyone from, for that matter, associated with the university. Um, that's the only question mark I have about what he wrote, because maybe it was one of those professors that maybe it was just lost in translation where... It's just one of those professors that came in and said, like, I'm going to treat you all equally. Like, but just said it in a different way. Um, but, I mean, I, I trust Vic that however he he understood it, it was, that's how it was. But and could, it, could that have been the case? Like, I think, yeah, maybe. Maybe a professor comes in and just says, you know, I'm not going to treat any of you guys differently. Like, so I don't know. I don't – I wasn't I'm, – I'm, I just can't tell. I really just can't tell. Maybe it was lost in translation. I mean, just because I've met so many good professors at Cal, like it's just I don't want to, you know, label all of them and generalize in one group because clearly not everyone has signed that petition. Um, otherwise, I'm I'm pretty sure if every single faculty member signed that petition, like he would have been fired easily. Uh, but that's not the case. It's just about a hundred. Granted, that seems like a lot, but in the grand, grander scheme of how many professors we have, that's not. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's not, not that many. It's not that many. Um, so yeah, that's that's the other big part that's been going on uh, this these past couple of weeks. Uh, but on to some uh, more fun news, uh, some basketball news, and we have a special guest with us today, a buddy of mine, who is a. Huge, huge, huge Celtics fan, by the way. Very, very big. He is also a Cal alum, uh, graduated last year. Yeah, last year. Um, so we're going to get him on to talk maybe some Jalen Brown right now. Um, and how you doing, Jinsuk? You pretty good? I'm doing all right. All right, all right. <laughs> all right. Um, so, yeah, uh, let's, talk some, let's talk some basketball. Jalen Brown, number three overall to your Boston Celtics. Do you feel good about that, or how do you feel about that? How do you, honestly, as a Celtics fan, separate from how you felt as a Cal fan, how did you feel as a Celtics fan getting that pick? Okay, I'm just gonna go through my emotions on draft night. Uh, first, when I heard Jalen Brown, I was disappointed because there was a lot of trade talk with Celtics. Yeah, um, and I was expecting us to take Chris Dunn and make a huge trade with, with Chicago Bulls for maybe Jimmy Butler. There were talks about getting Okafor Noel off uh, Philadelphia. So when I first heard Jalen Brown, I was like, I can't wait for this kid to develop. I, I wanted this trade to go through. Um, and then, of course, on draft night, every fan is crazy. So I sat down for like 
I mean, the day passed by and then I just thought about what Danny Angel was thinking and then just looking at just the draft choices, right? The guys that went three, three, from three to eight as a Celtics fan, um, I knew that Danny Angel was going to go swing for the fences and go for the guy who had the most upside. And quite frankly, that is Jalen Brown. Mm-hmm. Out of th- from three to eight, I feel like um, the one with the highest ceiling was Jalen Brown because of his length, his uh, defensive versatility, um, and just his his athleticism. He is by far the best athlete uh, out of the guys that went from three to eight. Um, so I wasn't as excited on draft day, uh, but a couple of days later, after thinking about. Um, who we were going for. Um, as a Celtics fan, we were in this weird stage where we were a playoff team, but at the same time, we get all these good draft picks because of the Nets. Uh, <laughs> and I feel like Danny, Danny Ainge at this point was just going uh, swinging for defenses and going for the guy uh, with the highest upside. And that was Jalen Brown. And don't get me wrong, Jalen Brown does come with a lot of flaws. Uh, but at the same time, it's, I think that was the guy with the highest ceiling. And, um, and I wasn't that surprised. Um, Danny Ainge is known for taking guys like that with athleticism, hardworking, um, who can play defense but doesn't have a lot of offensive game as of now. Like you can see it with Marcus Smart, Terry Rozier, Avery Bradley, Rajon Rondo, Tony Allen, and the list goes on. So I wasn't surprised. And right now I'm very excited for Jalen Brown. Where do you see him? I mean, I haven't watched, I mean, I'm a Laker fan, so I haven't watched a lot of Celtics basketball per se. Um, I know you watch a lot, um, but in terms of it, in terms of Brad Stevens' system, right, and what he runs up there in Boston, do you see him as a, you know, right now the starting five consists, or at least the top three consists of uh, Marcus Smart, Avery Bradley, and uh, Jay Crowder and Isaiah Thomas. Like those are your four guys you're rotating in the first three spots. Where does he fit into that? Where does he fit into that general system? Like what what is what is going to be his skill set that's going to be useful to put him in the rotation from his first rookie year? Okay, first of all, I feel like Jalen Brown is definitely going to play at the three or the four. Um, he's quick enough to guard twos, but just looking at the roster, he's not going to get minutes at the I think the minutes at the two are going to be separated between Avery Bradley, who's going to take most of it, uh, a bit of Marcus Smart. Um, R.J. Hunter, if he plays, and then Terry Rozier. So he's going to play the three and the four. Um, and what makes him so valuable for the Celtics and to the system, and just in terms of any team uh, because of how basketball is going, um, yeah, with, the, with all the small ball, people are focused on shooting. But with all the small ball, what is, what is more important now is your ability, your ability to guard multiple positions. And Jalen Brown does that. I mean, I think that's the one thing that Brad Stevens loves about him because you can put him and as a small ball four, and you wouldn't have problem guarding most fours. Yeah, I mean, he's not going to guard the Marcus Aldridge's. He's not probably not going to guard the Blake Griffins, but he's, he can guard most fours, right? And at the three, if you put him at the two or the three, then um, you just imagine you putting him out there with Jay Carter, Marcus Smart, Avery Bradley. That's a lineup that is going to force a lot of turnovers, and that's where Jalen Brown gets going. Like, you, you get a turnover, and Jalen Brown he's gone. Gonna, he's gone off to the races um, and dunking on people. Um, I think that's where really, as far as of his rookie year, I don't have a lot of expectation on the offensive side of the ball. And I think Brad Stevens uh, would probably use him more on the defensive side of the ball, and that's where he's going to flourish. And if he, is, if he does have a good year, that's where he's going to flourish. He's going to 
um, just hound the ball and just force turnovers and just get out in transition. Um, and um, I think that's as as far as a rookie year goes. I don't think that's I think that's great. If you're gonna contribute on one side of the ball, your rookie year, that's great. And we knew. I think most Celtics fans know that Jalen Brown, he's going to take a lot, uh, two, three, four years to develop. So if in his first year he shows that he can defend and he can just get out in transition, then that's all we need. Yeah, I mean, offense is certainly something that they need to work on at this point. I, I mean, they don't need that from him, right, in particular. you got guys like Isaiah Thomas that can go out and get a bucket. Um, I don't know if they've re-signed Jordan Sullinger yet. Uh, um, they have not. And yeah. my money is not on it unless it's like a one-year deal or is that a huge discount. Yeah. So, I mean, scoring-wise, it'll be mostly the guards that do the scoring for that team. They already have a you know a pseudo-slasher, Marcus Smart, who's good at getting to the basket. Um, you, of course, Isaiah Thomas, an all-star from last year. Um, so, I mean, that that's perfectly fine by me. I mean, we've we I think people tend to forget that he is 19. I think that's a I think people tend to forget that. I think people put that like label on him like oh he's he's a first like first top 3 pick like he should be like just bang bang just be a star but he's 19 years old like he's I mean granted he looks like a 24 year old with the body he has and just the ability to just bully people but he's 19. <laughs> I mean he has he still has a lot to learn. Conzo's did a great Conzo and Co did a great job while he was here. Um, he became a better, way better of a defender here, um, and it has gotten a little bit more aware of that the offense doesn't revolve around him. I mean, I feel like that's a thing with a lot of high school players is that they come out of high school and they were the guy uh, versus you come to college. You're not the guy anymore. You're one of the guys. Um, and I think that's really helped him. I think that's where he'll help in terms of the play in Boston is he won't, he won't be a ball hogger. That's for sure. Um, he might look for his shot every once in a while, but I mean, I think that's just also maybe just a little bit of frustration, probably just because he won't be getting plays or, or the offense, you know, designed around him and just forces up a couple every once in a while, just because he wants to take a couple shots. But I think that's just rookie pains. Um, but I, I don't know if you, I think you did watch uh, his first summer league game against Ben Simmons. Uh, did you happen to catch it, Andy? No, you didn't. All right. Um, I mean, just looking at his looking at his box box score here. I mean, he played about 28 minutes, uh, two of seven from the field, one of three from three, 11 of 17 from the free throw line with six rebounds, um, two assists, four fouls, uh, two turnovers, two block shots, and 18 points. That's not a great stat line. <laughs> It's, it's um, good enough. But it's good. I mean... Considering some of the games are 40 minutes and not 48. Yeah. Yeah. He got 18. I mean, if he made three more of those free throws, he would have broke 20 in his first, quote-unquote, NBA game. Um, so, I don't know. What did you think of that matchup? How did you... I mean, Simmons was, of course, you know, far beyond the number one pick. But to see a battle from the get-go of number one and number three, um, I mean, what did you what did you think of that? What's, did you... I don't know. I don't know how to phrase this question. Um, uh, Jalen had overall the better stat line, I think. I think Ben Simmons had a couple more assists. Uh, he had five assists, so he had three more. Uh, so what did you think of that performance? Um, you, I mean, he hasn't played in two games, um, apparently, because you told me a hyperextended knee. Uh, but, you know, did you like the performance? Did you like what you saw? Um, just, yeah. 
First of all, Ben Simmons is out of this world in terms of talent. Um, as much as I love Jalen Brown and I, as much as I love him on the Celtics, uh, Ben Simmons is just going to be, as, as far as his rookie year goes, he's going to be far better than Jalen Brown. Well, he's, I think far and beyond, he's the rookie of the year. I don't think there's even a question about it. Um, really? I mean, on the Sixers, who gets the ball, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, on the Sixers. Like, who, gets, who gets the ball on your team? Jordan Clarkson, D'Angelo Russell. Yeah, Brandon Ingram won't be getting the ball a lot. I mean, he'll be he'll he'll shoot, but it, the offense won't roll through him. It'll be through Clarkson, I think, or Russell. Um, can we? We got to talk about. We can talk about that in a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, but yeah, keep keep talking, please. Uh, but yeah, Jalen Brown's performance. Uh, I'm just going to be very objective. Um, I was disappointed with the defense because a lot. Um, I, I think coming into the draft, everyone was like, "Oh, he's this. He's like the Stanley Johnson, the Justice Winslows of the league." Where, like, he comes in his rookie year and he can contribute defensively and. As, as far as the first half goes, he was not impressive defensively. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Summer League has, you can get 10 fouls in yeah, the, to play in the game. I think he had huh. easy three in the first quarter. Um, and these are like guys that should not be blowing by him. Like the Philadelphia Summer League roster, I don't even know half of them. Like, I mean, <laughs> Benson is really the only name I would know. Yep. Um, he picked up some quick fouls and. Um, I don't know if it was an effort issue, but it did not look like he was moving that well laterally. Yeah. Um, and that was something that um, I wasn't happy with. But one thing is that um, the two blocks he got on Ben Simmons, so one of them was a Ben Simmons jumper, I think near the top of the key. Yeah, the other it? one was a, was yeah. a what's it, a, a, like a chase down block. A chase down, yeah. So the first one was good. I mean, I liked that one better just because he played solid defense. He forced him into a jumper and he got the block. But the second one where it looks more fancy, the chase down block, um, I was disappointed because Ben Simmons is a non-shooter, but Jalen Brown was just up in his grill and then let him blow by him on his left side, right? Yeah. And then I was like, that's just not good basketball. Just That's just not good IQ. But I mean, of course, what I'm impressed is with is the fact that he caught up, yeah. <laughs> right? He caught up and he just got that block. So um, defensively, I think he's not as good as advertised. I think a lot of players that come into the draft, if they're long and athletic, people just assume they're good defenders. Um, and I'm not sure if he is going to contribute on the defensive and in his rookie at the NBA level. Uh, but uh, I mean, that's one thing I saw. And other than that, um, I liked his aggressiveness. On offense, um, I mean, seven, seventeen free throws. I think times. seventeen free throws says it all. Um, but I, there were a lot of plays where he got fouled, but I was like, he should have still finished that. Yeah. Um, I think he shot seventeen free throws, but if I remember correctly, I don't think he had a single and one. Um, so that's one thing I'm worried about too is his ability to finish in the NBA through contact. Um, being aggressive is good. Being uh, taking it to the rim is good. But a lot of times you see a lot of rookies they just go up there and they just throw it up and can't finish. Um, that's another worry, but, um, and then what I was, his shot and his free throw, I think his form looked good. I yeah. mean, his form looked good. It doesn't good. look, his form doesn't look broken. That's yeah. not the issue. Yeah. His form's always looked good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, his form looked good. Um, and he, he hit five or six to begin with. Yeah. So I don't know why he started missing. <laughs> missed the other six. Missed, yeah. missed, the other uh, five. missed, missed another five, but, um, and one, one thing I did notice was that in the beginning, he, 
he didn't take a lot of jumpers. Um, and even though the, and those were good looks, like you, the Celtics moved the ball and he got an open jumper, but he still drove. So I don't know if that's him trying to be aggressive or him being not confident in his jumper. Jump shot, yeah. uh, but those are the things that I noticed. I mean, um, I think overall, as for the first, for it being a first summer league game, I think he played fairly well. Um, and but I wasn't really surprised because those are things that you were expecting. Like he, those are things we did. saw at Cal yeah. for a year. Yeah. Like it's not. I mean, I think uh, Larry on Twitter, who's one of our basketball writers, said it best. Right? Like he did all the things that we expected him to do. He drove hard, uh, put up some wild shots as he drove, um, got to the free throw line, missed more than three, um, <laughs> and did not take like a single jumper like within the two. Uh, just drove all the time. Like it's. It's just things we've seen, and we've seen plenty of times. Um, yeah. And, and so, how much How much are we really expecting him to improve from the last day that we saw him till now? now. All he's been <laughs> exactly. doing is draft prep, which is not the same as, like, basketballs, drills, and then, like, yeah. getting him ready for actual games. May, so. I, may I also say he didn't work out with, like, any particular, like, draft prep workout, you know, company or, or program or anything. He was... He was here at the RSF. He was at he was at the he school was gym playing against you. Yeah, he was just here in the school gym. <laughs> he just still doesn't have an agent. He, yeah, he's, yeah, he still doesn't have an agent. Um, so then, well, the only time he used an agent was to sign that Adidas deal. That's the only time he used an agent. And so, I mean, he's different. He's out of this league, like just in, intellectually, like he's far beyond like any other player that I think has been in the NBA in terms of just how he's approaching the the non-basketball side of the NBA. Um, and dear God, I hope it pans out for him because I'd really want to see him like become a really good player. It's weird that I'm rooting for a guy on the Celtics, but at the same time, I think my love for Cal trumps my love for some professional sports. Uh, so Get ready to get that jersey, Rob. Uh, <laughs> it's it's there. As long as I get... I, see, he has a number nine right now. I don't know why he has a number nine because Avery Bradley has his number, which is zero. Um, so I don't know if number... I was going to order one, but I was like, oh, is number nine the one he's going to stick with? Or is this just a summer league number? So I'm going to hold off until the regular season and actually see, like, his number placement. Um, but I'm excited to see him uh, in the NBA. I mean, I will be the first one in line when, when they come to play the Warriors. Granted, I'm pretty sure those won't be very expensive seats. Uh, they might. They uh, might. But they might be. And we'll we'll talk about that for right now. Because Andy has been, like antsy to wanting to talk about this uh, for the longest time but right before we go on to that we'll talk about Ty for a little bit because Ty Ty played um, three games he played his first game uh, against the Spurs uh, and he played for 16 minutes three of eight from the field uh, five rebounds two assists two fouls one turnover and uh, one blocked attempt so they this is a stat that you actually keep account of now they've done this in Europe for god knows how long uh, but they've all actually started doing that uh, now. How many shots you get blocked? I thought it was um, blocked against. Yeah, yeah. Or that's basically what it is. Oh, or blocked. Oh, yeah, right, right, yeah. Right, yeah. Okay. So how many shots you got blocked? Oh, okay. Um, so that wasn't bad. Um, he. So it it would have been fun because the Celtics played the Jazz um, last night, but Jalen sat out because of the hyperextended knee. So we didn't get to see Jalen play against Ty. That would have been kind of fun for from a Cal perspective to see the two of them play against each other. Uh, but, you know, Ty played again uh, last night, 19 minutes, uh, 2 of 6 from the field, 0 of 2 from 3, uh, 3 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 fouls, and another shot blocked. He was a plus um, 6, though. He was at plus 6. 
So, I mean, he's doing what the best we can. Um, I was talking to Junzak before uh, Andy got here, and we were talking about how just, you know, that that roster is is deep at the guard spots. Um, I just, I mean, they traded one, one of their point guards, Trey Burke, but they still traded for George Hill, who they have on their roster now, with Dante Exum, with Alec Burks, um, with Gordon Hayward, who can kind of play that two spot. Um so I don't know. I don't know where he fits into this. Um, hopefully, if he doesn't fit in here, he fits on someone's team and someone's rotation. Because he is a second-round pick. Um, granted, if as even if he was the last one, um, <laughs> he was still drafted. That's all that matters. Um, so seems like he's getting a lot of minutes. He is. He is. He definitely is. Um, and today I saw that he was uh, he was at like twenty something plus minutes today. Really? Um, I didn't get to see the final stats from today's game. Um, but it looked like he was getting his fair share of time. So I hope that pans out for Ty because, yeah, I fully respect that man and what he's done for four years at this program. I mean, he could have been a – after his freshman year, I remember looking at NBA Draft.net um, and some of the ESPN mock drafts, and they had him in the top 15 really? after his freshman year. Huh. And that was the year that we lost to Syracuse in the tournament uh, in the mm-hmm. second round. And mm-hmm. he played outstandingly in that first game against UNLV – played outstandingly in that second game against Syracuse as well. And that was with Alan Crabb, Kravish, and Solomon on that team. So, you know, he turned all that down, stayed four years. So, I don't know. I don't know. I hope he pans out. I really I really hope he stays in the NBA. Uh, but on to Andy's favorite talk, and we'll use this talk to wrap up the day because we have nothing else to talk about. Uh, but Kevin Durant is now here. I don't know how else to talk about this. Welcome <laughs> to Dub Nation. The guy had his uh, press but conference today. I thought you were going to talk about Timothy Mozgov. <laughs> I'll dra- I'd rather... Biggest winner of free agency, Timothy Mozgov. I'd, ra- I'd rather talk... <laughs> oh. I'd rather I'd rather talk about... Uh, KD? Let's see. No, no. Jose Calderon. Alan Crabb. <laughs> That's right. We forgot to talk about Alan Crabb. Oh, yeah. Let's talk he about He literally that. just signed a contract with the Nets. Granted, uh, last week there was rumors that he signed a contract with the Nets, uh, but that was refuted. Uh, but the Nets did actually end up offering a contract, but it was even more, for more money. They signed him to an offer sheet of four years, $75 million. So now the Blazers have three days to either match it or let him go for free. So... The guy is making money. He, he <laughs> yeah, he's getting paid. Yeah, he's getting paid. In he's major getting paid. Way. He's the second highest paid Cal athlete in the NBA, after Ryan Anderson, who got paid four years, eighty million. So five Ryan million. Anderson got eighty million. <laughs> Dude, Bazemore and Mozgov, I'm like blown away. I'm happy for yeah. Ryan. I'm happy for I'm Ryan. happy for Mr. Krabby Davis. Yep. I was hoping he was going to be signed by the Dubs for a little while, and then we got KD. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, so he has a press conference today. I watched a little bit of it. It was um, pretty great. It was it was a good it was a good press conference. Um, I love what he said. Like he just said that um, he felt like he talks about authenticity with the Warriors and that the guys just really liked each other and playing with them and the world uh, the USA team. Yeah, the USA team and the World Championship and. Then, yeah, it was awesome. And the he was like, he really didn't seem to have or harbor much regret about his decision. He no. seemed to have really well thought it out <laughs> and been very happy with where he is. So I hope it works. And the funnier part was he said uh, when the Warriors came to talk to him, uh, he said, I think I, I saw them all walk in holding hands. Like, <laughs> <laughs> 
And he said every single player was there. Draymond was there. Andre was there. Steph was there. Clay. Clay was there. Yeah. Harrison Barnes wasn't there. Uh, <laughs> he, was, he, was busy. <laughs> he was busy with Mark Cuban. <laughs> got and paid a lot anyone, of money for a guy that averaged 10 points last season. Did anyone else see that picture of him, like, handcuffed? He had a handcuff, like, to... Um, I guess one of the staff members there. It was like a it was like a joke about the DeAndre Jordan oh. thing from last year. Uh, but then they took a bigger picture of everyone who was there when they signed his contract. Guess who was standing to like two people to the left of him, Mr. Michael Finley. <laughs> like oh, all, that's who it was. I was looking yeah. at him. I was like, man, he really <laughs> he looks, looks familiar. familiar. Yeah. Michael Finley. I had no idea Michael Finley was there. Best bench player ever. Yeah, <laughs> um, but now he's there, uh, and Katie is here, and. Uh, Luke Wolf. So, did you read Zach Lowe's post? I have not. On, oh, you gotta read it. It's like mandatory. You gotta read it before next week. Okay. It literally is so awesome because it goes into just like how indefensible this entire team is um, with KD. <laughs> and uh, I, I cannot, like, someone brought this up on the radio the other day and they're like, yeah, we're supposed to be excited about football season, but no one cares about football <laughs> season. Like, everyone just wants to get back to basketball. <laughs> so, let's just skip football and get right back to it. And it's, Funny. The Niners have literally let the Warriors and the Giants, by the way, number one team in baseball, take over. Not shown by the All-Stars, though. <laughs> no. It's all right, though. Uh, take over this town. Yep. It is now it's basketball now, and baseball town. Yeah. Um, yeah. So how anyone – and then – so just to talk about these guys, too. How we got David West for the minimum is absolutely outrageous. He's going to just a pick and roll and pop at the elbow all day. And then we got Zaza, who is basically... A better version of Mozgov yeah, and better, being paid less. A better version of Mozgov being paid a lot less and comparable to Bogut. Comparable. Um, with a little less like defensive abilities at the rim, and but a little offensively little, more... Arguably oh, he's a better gifted. shooter. He's yeah. a way better shooter. Yeah. Probably less of a better passer, though. Agreed. But he's a better shooter. Agreed. And um, to round out with those two guys... Oh, and then the potential of Ray Allen. And we just signed Ian Clark back, which is right. good because he was, he was decent. And Sean Livingston signed. Yep. That they picked up the option, so he's he's back. They're filling out that bench. We lost Barbosa. Yeah. We lost Barnes. We lost Bogut. And we lost Festus. Right. But if the guy from Vanderbilt that we got for at center is any good. And yeah, that your previous center from Vanderbilt was decent at what he was supposed to do. Is that uh Festus. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, he was okay. He was okay. He did what he was supposed to do. Except That's all they that, did. Except for that one time. Yes. We won't, one time we won't talk about that one time. One-on-one on LeBron and decided look, to bite on the fake. And if you're a Warriors fan, you just <laughs> got to look to the future. You can't look behind you anymore. You just got to keep looking to the future. Let me ask you this, Chinsuk, since you're here too. From a, from a non-Warriors fan perspective, what do you – I don't know how to <laughs> – I mean, you guys are across the country. Like, I'm, I'm a Lakers fan. We play in this division – like and I'm 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 ambivalent to it just because we're not competitive. Like if I'm if I'm in the least if my team is in the least bit competitive, right? Like if, let's say we're in that like four to seven range in the NBA, like we can make that maybe make that push to get up a little bit. I'm looking at this going like let's just blow it all up. <laughs> let's just wait for this to end and then let's go. Like because you're throwing in the towel. I would. Wouldn't anyone? I mean, like, <laughs> I, I saw the greatest meme that, like, it's it's like a little video of, like, Tim Duncan at home watching TV, and he sees an ad for the Warriors come out, and it has, like, the, the um, 
like him with the Warriors, like signing and all that, and it passes, and then you just see him pick up the phone and it just he presses one and it's Popovich. <laughs> we all know what he's about to say. <laughs> so I was like, that's pretty much why these rumors of Tim Duncan possibly retiring came out. I'm sure. I mean. I'm not. I'm, I'm not sure, but it's just hilarious to think about it in that aspect, right? Like Tim Duncan just calling up the phone to Pop. I'm done. I'm done. It's over. I mean, what, what are we doing? What are we doing here? Um, but I, yeah. can't, I can't believe Katie is seven feet tall. We have a seven footer. Uh, it's just it's it's mind blowing what we're going to be able to do with that team. Like we're going to be able to shoot the lights out every single night. Yeah. What do you What do you think about this as a as a Celtics slash basketball fan? As a basketball fan, you don't like it because that just ruins the parity of the league, right? Yeah. I mean, I think that's, I mean, that's, that doesn't even have to be said, <laughs> right? Um, At the same time, from a basketball point, it's crazy to see that this actually happened, right? Because it's most of the time, the only times you ever see this happen is when you're like playing NBA 2K and you force the trade to happen, <laughs> like it, because they won't ever trade you all that stuff, nor will he sign for like that that year length or money when you try to sign him as a free agent and so on. And so that's the only crazy part about this is like this, this happened in real life. <laughs> and but, fun fact, fun fact with that is if you're a worst fan and you don't like Harrison Barnes because he missed all those shots in the finals, you got to thank him because the reason why this happened is because Harrison Barnes didn't sign that extension last summer. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. If he signs that extension last summer, Kevin, Kevin Durant will not be with the Warriors. Yeah. I mean, even if wow. even if KD, <laughs> well, even if KD said he wa- he wanted to join the Warriors, like let's say K- Harrison Barnes had signed that deal, and KD says I want to join, with the performance that Harrison Barnes had, I don't think you find any takers. I, that's, that's well, the Mavs clearly wanted them. The Mavs clearly wanted them. Max ninety four mil. That that is true. He, th- you do have a point there. He's young. He is. He's still very young. Yeah, he's still. He's very got young. a lot of. He can. He can be really good. It does concern me that we kind of jettisoned him the way we did. But yeah, back to... So what do you think as a Celtics fan? As a Celtics fan? As a Celtics fan? um, Are are we talking about it because we were supposedly one of his destinations? Um, I mean, yeah. I don't... I thought... I never thought he was really coming to the Celtics. So that wasn't a factor in terms of my reaction. My reaction was... I found it hard to believe that you have your team with Oklahoma City Thunder and you're in the conference finals and you're up 3-1 and you lose that lead partly because you kind of choked it away with some bad performances and then you're going to quit on that team and then you're going to go to the team that just beat you. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to comment on that. I mean, Kevin Durant is a great player. I mean, my opinion of him is not going to change because he made that decision. Uh, but for me, just because personally, I'm just a fairly competitive guy, so I never understood that part of it. But look, I mean, if someone told me, hey, you can quit your job and go to a better job with better coworkers and it'll be easier for you. And we're going to pay you more money. And I would absolutely do that any, any day of the week. Um, but just as a basketball fan, um, it's exciting because that is going to be some great basketball. It's disappointing because Kevin Durant going to the Warriors, it doesn't only benefit the Warriors, but it ruins the Thunder. So that's another contender out of the picture, right? So if you're, if you're, if you're the Warriors, you're thinking, all right, one Chris Paul injury, 
and we're probably and if San Antonio is not that healthy in the playoffs, we're going back to the finals, right? I mean, the West got a little less competitive, uh, but I am excited to see the best player in the world in LeBron James going against the second and the third best player in the world in Steph Curry and Kevin Durant. If it happens in the finals, and I know that a lot of people are saying, well, every other team should give up. Uh, oh, let's just, let's just go to the finals. But if you learn anything from last year's finals, you know that there's a reason why they play the games. Uh, so I am very excited for next season, uh, regardless of how quote-unquote stacked the Warriors are. There's a reason why they play the games. I mean, yeah. they won 73 games last year, right? Like We won't be winning that many this year. No. Steph's going to be sitting out every fourth quarter. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to no. take that risk again. I saw someone wrote, someone wrote uh, the Warriors will be worse in the regular season, but better in the playoffs. Yeah. And I read that, and I said, I first split second, I was confused. But then I realized, oh, wait, yeah, they might not win 73 games again. But they'll be they'll be better set in the playoffs. Um, yeah. And so I don't know. Russell Westbrook, future Laker. Hashtag. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, I was reading all about that. I was texting my buddy Dylan about it. Yeah. Uh, I think that might actually happen. I think I don't know if you're Sam Presti and you're the GM of the of the Thunder and you saw Kevin just leave and you have your roster right now and that you have. And they you did have, make that nice trade, though. They did. They did make that nice trade, and that trade does is is very good. But is that a competitive one? Is that com- is that roster competitive enough to make Russell stay next year? I don't know. I just read that he's out. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> just read that. Yeah. So if if that's not the case, and Russell I, wants out, then might as well trade him now and get some assets back. Which is why um, my conspiracy theories. Which is why we still haven't signed Brandon Ingram to a contract. Because if you sign a if you sign a rookie to a contract, you can't trade him for thirty days. You guys are gonna sign him. I think he's gonna be really good. No, I think he's gonna be really good too. But I I just think you hold all your horses if if that's an if that's a possibility. You right? think that would happen in within thirty days? I mean, the LeBron, what's it, Andrew Wiggins thing, or the Kevin Love, Andrew Wiggins thing happened within what thirty days of the draft. But they signed him, so they waited until. He was over. That's why the rumors kept going for so long uh, because they signed him too quickly and they had to wait the 30 days. Uh, oh, oh, really? Yeah, to trade Wiggins for love. Do you um, want that trade as a Laker fan um, without a guarantee that Russell Westbrook is going to resign? Because he's... Oh, no. See, that's the thing. I think you only, you only trade for him if he's willing to sign an extension on the spot. Like, I think that's the only way. Whether it be a, a two-year extension or even just like a plus one... Like you, I think you do that, but if if that's not the case, I don't think you get. I mean, you can't. Nor will Sam Presti have the negotiating leverage to basically be like, "Hey, I want Randall Ingram, Clarkson, and Russell. Give me all four, and I'll give you, I'll give you Westbrook." Like he doesn't have that negotiating power because Russell can walk next year, like or next summer, and I can just be like, "We're just gonna pitch to him and." try to make him come without us losing any other assets. So he just doesn't have that negotiating power to, to, to warrant and Man, ask for all those things. What if Westbrook went to the Lakers, though? Could you imagine those Warriors? Oh, my God. The Warriors-Lakers games would just get a lot more. Oh, my God. I can't even, I can't even imagine. That's all right. I'm so um, cool with you guys being absolutely terrible for the next 10 years. Oh, same, same. <laughs> eight, eight, eight. 
Wait. You the only guys, reason I you say guys it, need to earn it, like the Warriors earn <laughs> us Warriors fans. People earn. forget though. People forget the only the the last. So this is two sided. One, okay, we're going on forever about this, but one about the Lakers fans saying that we are entitled to getting like free agents. The last time we signed a marquee free agent was Mr. Shaquille O'Neal. People forget that pal we traded for. What about, right? what about that was a highway robbery trade? That was a high, yeah, that was a robbery trade. <laughs> what about Howard? Howard we traded for. That was the Andrew Bynum trade. Uh, we gave away Bynum to get Howard for a year. Highway robbery as well. Uh, no, I don't think so. I think we got highway robbery. I think I think every team in that deal got highway robbery. Um, <laughs> Bynum was well, but you actually uh, terrible. <laughs> but the Warriors, but the Warriors got to be happy about that because that's the trade that sent Andre from Philly to Denver. to Denver. And then it was apparently after that Denver Warriors series where where they kind of whispered into Iggy's ear to come join us. Uh, so wow, you're welcome. <laughs> Um, but this is just another, another aspect of this whole KD going to the Warriors thing that people have to talk about is, so the CBA, which is the agreement between the Players Association and the, and the owners, right? And the owners between themselves as well. This issue is going to come back again, this whole small market deal. Because this KD thing isn't beneficial. This, this KD moving from Oklahoma City to Golden State, which is a bigger market. It wasn't always. It wasn't always, but it is now. Um, is not beneficial to any of those small market owners. And the push for how many small markets do you think are in the 30 NBA teams versus how many big, big city teams there are in the NBA? There's more smaller markets, without a doubt. Yeah. You know, so Milwaukee, exactly. Charlotte, Portland. Um, Dallas. Is- yeah. San Antonio. That's the only team in San Antonio. Like they don't have anything else in San Antonio. Um, so this is, this is going to get into the business side a little bit, but they're going to have to start talking about maybe putting a hard cap on, on all teams, not, not letting anyone talk. Won't happen. It, I don't think it'll happen, but I think the conversation at least begins. Um, but on the flip side, all this new money that's been in the NBA is going to start a lot more conversations in the NFL and the major leagues for sure. Well, that's, yeah, MLB doesn't matter. Yeah, they don't even have a salary cap, so that doesn't matter. The player um, association is way too strong. Yeah. <laughs> NFL, yeah, maybe. Yeah, uh, I think the NFL, you run the risk of injury. So, like yeah. with basketball, you can kind of get away with it. You know, you, I think you still have a higher injury risk in, ba- in basketball than you do baseball. Like in regards to like bad injuries, like hamstring injuries in baseball. Like, let me just I'll, let me just give you this, Mike Conley. Yeah, with his full his contract is fully guaranteed, right? With his fully guaranteed contract, makes more money than Cam Newton, Tom Brady, and Russell Wilson's guaranteed part of their contract combined. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look at baseball, though. <laughs> the baseball contracts are the same way. Exactly. Well, you saw Pujols when my, my angel signed him with a 10-year, $120 million. <laughs> That was a really bad deal. <laughs> that was a really bad deal. Same with your uh, Josh Hamilton deal. Well, that yeah, that backfired badly real quick, too. Um, C.J. Wilson's deal not looking good either because it looks like he probably won't be able to play baseball ever again, um, which is really sad. Uh, is your GM still employed or no? No, DePoto got fired. Um, I don't know where he is now, but, yeah, he's gone. But anyways, that was a long show. We're at an hour and 45. Wow. And we're... Good to go to close it tonight. Um, you know where to find us. Uh, you can find me at Rob11HWANG at, on Twitter. You can find Andy on... Um, I don't even know where you can find Andy. Andy is a mystery. Andy, you can find 
At Cal Golden Blogs. At, <laughs> at California at CaliforniaGoldenBlogs.com. You can find his written stuff. Um, Got some previews coming up. I'm yeah. excited about. <laughs> DBs and O-line. Ooh, fun stuff. O-line, man. I'm stoked. That's the best you yeah, can Yeah, the O-line looks really good. Um, and uh, let's see. I mean, I... You know, some future stuff for the blog. I tweeted at Bryce Treggs asking him to join the pod at some point. Just because he is in the area now, we no longer have to go through the FX program to talk to him. Yeah. Um, and second, I'm going to try and go to the Beast Mode store every, like, once a week. I'm trying to go, too. I yeah. need to get some stuff. Yeah. But not only just to get some stuff, I'm going to go every week and try to talk to Marshawn coming on the show. Did you hear the Mr. Fab Complex interview? I have not. Uh, not. It's it's well worth your time. Okay, okay. That's definitely the next thing I have to do. I mean, I'm too busy rewatching Marshawn's 60-minute interview because that was probably one of the best interviews I've ever heard, ever, ever, in the history of interviews. That was probably... You keep punching a guy in the mouth? I won't quote it. I won't quote it. I won't quote it. Um, But yeah, uh, if you need to get at us, we have an email, cgbbearcast at gmail.com. If you have any questions or comments or concerns, uh, just let us know. Um, I think we're going to have a guest on here somewhat soon. I'm I'm asking some people... And we're just trying to work out just dates and schedules and stuff. So uh, it, you won't lo- no longer be hearing from just me and Andy. And thank you for Chinzuk for coming on the show today. Yeah, that, was, that was fun uh, talking to him about Celtics. Uh, but, yep, you know where to find us. Uh, read all our stuff. And as always, go Bears. Go Bears. You know it! What?